0: The college planning edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. All right. Welcome to the College Planning Edge. This is Andy Lockwood, and this podcast is all about helping stressed out parents not only get into college or help their kids get into their dream colleges, but also how to pay and how to be successful post-college. And that third component is what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be focusing on today because I am lucky enough and uh, I'm very excited about my special guest interview, Chris Jones, who is a uh, not only a great friend of mine, but also a very well-regarded and successful financial planner. He's been in financial planning for 29 years and all sorts of clients and experiences and a very interesting guy. And Chris also um, teaches a class to high school kids, At the uh, parochial school where his kids actually went to uh, local here in Long Island and um, what we're going to be doing today is sort of summarizing but Q&A style um, a lot of the life lessons life financial lessons that are called the four steps of financial security that Chris um, teaches in this class because I think it's just so important uh, to be able to give this information to kids as they embark on their careers, either before or after college. So,
1: Chris, thanks a
0: lot for joining us. How are you doing?
1: No, oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Nandy.
0: Where, where are you joining us from, by the way? Are you local, or are you up in Vermont or something?
1: I am actually at my place in Vermont, but it's nice. about it's about negative five outside today, so there's no skiing going on. Okay. All right, so uh thanks
0: anyway. You know, I'm not sure what else he'd be doing, but thanks for for uh, helping us out and giving us this information. You know, every time uh you know you, you, the the title of your forthcoming book is is The Four Steps to Financial Security, right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So 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 he Chris and I've been talking about this book. I've been, you know, helping him uh a little bit with it and uh, every time we talk about it, it, it the the information is so important i've been saying probably for more than a year we we have to make this either a webinar or you've got to teach this as a class to to my clients so we're, today is really um an attempt to uh, to fulfill that <laughs> that goal for me so thanks again you ready oh thank you yes i am okay so um give me a little bit of background first just in terms of just so people know you know sort of uh your practice and your your credentials and then okay. um how you happen to get uh to to create this class because that's an interesting story also okay
1: thank you um i will uh, my background I started in financial services when I was actually twenty five years old um it was uh I, w- I was working with individuals and families really doing basic financial planning um, and then over the over the 29 years, or 28 years in the financial services industry, I worked at every level. I ran a very large firm for a number of years, and then about two, 13 years ago, I went back into just personal practice, working one-on-one with families. And that's when my children joined and started attending this parochial school, and I got to know the head of the school very well. And as we we always had conversations about what about setting up uh, education around things that people actually will use for the rest of their life. And I'm not knocking anything from education, math and science and everything else, but I'm saying, you know, practical knowledge like speed reading and then, you know, speed math. And one of the topics that, that I had brought up with the head of the school was just around basic finance, um, just understanding, you know, we spend our entire life uh, going to school uh, up until the age of 21 between elementary school and high school and college and, so at 21 we're out in the real world, and why did we go through all those years of school so that we could get a job? Why did we get a job so we can make money? Why do we, why do we want to make money so that we can do things, have things, and and kind of create the life we want to live? But when you look at the last the, the that 16 years of education that we get in the school system, how many hours on the topic of money do we get from an education standpoint? And I looked <laughs> at my own, zero. And it was it was approximately zero. Or if every so often I ran run into schools that do have some sort of consumer economics class, but it really teaches people how to be good consumers, not how to win the financial game of life. And I think they're dramatically different.
0: Yeah, I think you win the financial game of life by being
1: uh, kind of a lousy consumer, (laughs) maybe, maybe, or or an educated, frugal consumer we we define winning uh, this is how you know you won the financial game of life when the money that your money is making is making more money than you need you won yeah that is great
0: but yes yeah, so i should just warn everyone listening to this um chris has a gazillion of these little criticisms that we call them Jonesisms, <laughs> and, and uh, they're worth writing down. So hopefully, people who are listening have this, uh, have some ready utensils with them, because I, I always, uh, I always walk away thinking, wow, those are good writer downers. You have a list somewhere, right? Did you ever?
1: Is that going to go in the book? Um, some of them are in the book. Um, a lot of them are accumulated for something in the future. I just don't know what yet. <laughs> okay. So.
0: All right. Good. That's a form of savings. So, so let's talk about um, just give an overview. What what are the four steps of, uh, of of how to win the you know the financial game of life according to Chris Jones, and then let's dive down
1: on the first one after you go through all four. Okay. So the reason I let me just step back one uh, one or make one brief point. The reason I broke it down into four steps is when I first was offered the opportunity to teach at the high school. Um, I had one hour of these kids' lives, and they they did some prep work before I got into the class, and then they did some follow-up. But I had one hour in a presentation, so I had to break down how to win the financial game of life into four into steps that they could take away, and and learn, own, and take away in a matter of one hour of their life. Um, so that's why I really broke it down into four. Um, the first one is you know live on less than you make. You know, we we I use percentages, live on seventy percent of your of your net income, um but the the key is really live on less than you make because um, sometimes people don't even know, so that's step one. Step two is uh, uh, tie ten percent or tie the percentage. I just believe that if you're what I've observed in in working with so many people over the years is when they're givers and they give away money as part of their overall financial well-being, they have a better relationship with their money. When when you turn all of your money into just serving you, you, you it, it distorts the relationship a little bit. So I've found that if you can have some component of giving away, making a difference in the community, you'll have a healthier relationship with your money. This third one is save 10%. Um and I'll talk a little bit I'll definitely go into that in more detail, but you gotta save, you gotta pay yourself first. Um and then the last one is uh insure with ten percent. Things happen in life, we live in a broken world, bad things happen to good people and yeah, you know, that insurance is really to handle and address when those bad things happen so that you don't your life doesn't implode because something unexpected happened. So the great. four steps Yeah,
0: all right, that's that's great. I I'm I'm sure just like Um, Every time we talk about this stuff. I'm sure anyone listening their wheels are probably starting to turn with questions like how am I gonna do that? Or what's you know, what's the point? Okay, so I know we're we're gonna get into those I'm gonna try to ask as many of those questions also because I have them too Um, But let's start with the first one step one spending less. So that seems like such a such an obvious one Uh, and I think a lot of times ideas are very obvious, but the Execution is where people (laughs) fall flat on right? So
1: can we talk about this? well it the, nobody has a better opportunity to spend less than they make than a than somebody who's about to go into college they you know you're you're really designing your life for the future so you can you can design what your finances are going to be for the future you know what your job's going to be what you think your job's going to be you know what your income's going to be and then you know what um, what expenses you're going to have or what how you want to design your life so many times kids get out of college they haven't really done the numbers on what that college loan is really going to cost them um what i encourage them to do in in that this process this first process is literally do two things what's one is called an income statement which is all your income all your expenses and then start to have a balance sheet which is a list of your assets and liabilities the income statement's all that matters when you're when you're graduating from college you know, what's your rent going to be? What are you going to pay? You pay for food? What are you going to pay in taxes? What are you going to pay for health insurance? What, you start to design all of that, and then you look at the job you're going to get, and the two might not always match up. Actually, frequently they don't. But you, if you, the further ahead you can start to see that, the better you're going, ability you're going to have into designing the life you want to live. So you, you know, it's kind of the tail wagging the dog. If you ignore it, then the money's going to rule you for your life. So you, you might as well plan out ahead of time and, and really look at, can I afford to take $70,000 in student loans? You know, And if you say, well, I just want to get that college degree, but if your job is only going to pay $30,000 a year, it's not going to work. And you're going to be financially behind for the next 20 years. And I've met people who have lived under that weight and it's just, yeah, it, it's just not healthy.
0: I have these conversations all the time. Um, it's rare for a week to go by where I don't have this type of conversation with someone. Um, along the lines of, uh, a um, client of mine who's a, um, a very high-paid um, uh, surgeon. He's a uh, some sort of mouth, you know, oral surgeon, and um, he hires people for his. He's also a professor, and he hires kids uh, who are coming out of dental school. Um, with, he had one kid he hired who has seven hundred thousand dollars worth of, of loans, and he might be making um, three hundred thousand dollars in income, which is you know of course a lot. But he's living in the city; he's got other all those expenses, and I just think it's you know that's an extreme example. But um, I think that what you're saying about doing the numbers, I don't. I think most kids won't do that. Most parents won't do that. And the problem is that if you're not, you know, like you said, if you're not honest about it and you understand, you know, you're not putting accurate numbers in and you're not disciplining yourself to understand what these, what these numbers and it's very simple, right? I mean, either, you know, if you have enough, you have enough. And if you don't, they <laughs> don't. No, well, no I, amount of wishing is going to make it any better. If you don't do that, then it's a recipe for disaster.
1: Right. I literally provide a budget sheet, a budget worksheet to the high school students and say, write your budget out. Let's talk about it, but write your budget out for what you think your budget's going to be the, it's, let's say, six months after you graduate. So let's assume you get the job you hope you got. And now what what else have you done? What, are the, what other financial things, obligations do you have in your life? So you have your income and now you have your expense. And if you've got, now I've got a hundred thousand dollars in student loans, six months in one day, you have to start feeding those loans. Okay. There's a thousand dollars a month that's disappearing. Okay. What else? Well, I'd like to have a car. Well, you want to have a new car or a used car? Cause, right? And you do all the numbers, you go, wait a second, I don't have enough money left over to eat or forget about moving out of the house. That's not going to happen. But they're, at least they're addressing it and looking at it four or five years into the future as opposed to looking at it in the moment when they have to deal with it. So. Yeah, so
0: so you you talk to the kids in your class in high school as they're contemplating, or or maybe about to start thinking about going to college. Um, this applies really to anyone though who's in the middle of college, right, or or other phases right. of
1: their lives. It, it really does. It really does. It's just listen. It, right now, we we live in a very different world than we did when I went to college. When I went to college, they really you couldn't borrow your way you, maybe my parents could borrow a little bit of money or pay a little bit of money. I worked full time the entire time I went to school and it was, you just couldn't get yourself into the kind of debt you can get yourself into today. Now there's, they literally throw money at you to go to college. You, you just couldn't do that 30 years ago. Um,
0: college wasn't expensive money wasn't available. either.
1: Yeah. And it was, right. yeah, it
0: was, uh, it was hard to rack up that type of debt. Um, because he, it was probably underwritten more strictly. Also, the the loans that were yeah. out there, and now it, there's very little underwriting. You can just any, almost any, even after the have, crisis, you
1: know. Eight. They will let a student borrow themselves into oblivion, and okay. you know, with no accountability for what they're going to do and what the co- compensation is going to be after when they start working. So, yep. you know, it, it, listen, we have to be a responsible consumer as opposed to somebody who just takes the money and runs because it, we're going to have that obligation. It's going to be, become a day to pay.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so getting back just to drill down a little bit more on the spend less concept. So um, so you have certain percentage targets uh, and I know you mentioned that for some of yeah. the other steps also, but how, how important are those percentages? Well, the
1: percent, you know, the live on 70%, um, it, it's fairly important. You have to live on less than you make. You have to, this, this you know, the saving is extremely important. That you save 10% of your income from the day you start working. But just even the concept of living on less than you make, not taking on consumer debt um, in any way. I mean, you know, you take on short-term consumer debt, but not taking not taking what should be short-term debt and turning it into long-term debt. You wind up spending so much money on interest payments. You you you're really foregoing what you could have later on. So. Um, what we do with the budget worksheet that we have is it literally shows you here's a you know rough percentage of average of how much of your income should go towards housing, how much should go towards car, how much should go towards gas and clothing and, and other things. And so if you stay within those percentages, you can get to the living on 70%. The, the benefit of that is you have extra money. Um, and as I've told my kids from, from elementary school, get ahead young. If you get ahead young it makes life much easier. If you fall behind young it makes life much harder. So, you know, be, before you have any obligations, design your life so that you're getting ahead young. All right, great. That's uh you
0: know, you know what would be great is if um I could if you wouldn't mind if I could post your um budget worksheet in the mm-hmm. show notes of this episode on my site. Would you would you mind saying that to me so I could put that up?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's
0: I will do that. Okay, great. So, um, and for any, for anyone listening, if you want we'll give out Chris's contact information uh, afterward, um just just in case you want some more help from him, not just with this stuff, but with any, anything regarding financial planning. Yeah. Um okay, so step 2 is tithe 10% or give away 10%. Talk about that one. Right.
1: You know, I you know, I started doing this class in a religious it was a religious parochial school. Um and so i could I could quote from the Bible um, certain quotes that I use whenever I'm talking about tithing. The basic concept of tithing to tithe means one tenth um, uh, you know i'm I've learned in life it's not it, it's more about um, having a component of your life and of your money that is directed towards improving the world outside of you, which ultimately improves your own world. The benefit is psychologically, and this is true of very high network families and um, you know moderate income families that if they have a component that is for <clears throat> excuse me is for is for giving away money, they will they just have a healthier relationship with their money overall. I can't explain it. I've never seen anybody give themselves into poverty. Um, I just I just know that uh, when they're improving the world around them, they're they're improving their own world, and uh, they just their overall relationship with what they have is is better. So that's just it's an observation. It's not scientific. You know, and it yeah, is, I yeah, think yeah, it's. You know, my, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, based on you know, based on my uh, religion, it's 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 what I'm called to do as part of my my faith. But um, I think it's it's even. It's just a truth in life that you'll have a better relationship with money if you improve the world around you.
0: Yeah, so so I am so not like Chris. You know, Chris is is very uh, Chris reads the Bible every day, but uh, you know you're definitely not like <laughs> you're not one of these uh, born again guys who's always you know trying to get p- convert people or whatever. I'm Jewish. I'm very a religious, if that's even a word. Um, my my observation is that this this is um, I think my my theory is that the reason that why I think it feels good you know to give or the the reason it helps you have a better relationship with your mind it it just feels good to do something to um help you know make the world a better place you know without getting too uh you know sappy about it it it's a um i think it's a psychological thing also i mean I don't know what the answer is either why why it works or or you know based based on chris's you know experience he's he's got his opinions my opinions that you know whenever I do something you know to uh you know if that's if to help other people I feel great and same thing with our kids. And I think this is just a, you know, it's related to that a lot. So I think it's great.
1: Right. And and I found it doesn't, it, it's not about the percentage necessarily. The percentage is something that we each, you know, we each make our own decision of what the percentage is. It's more just that you, just that you have that component in your overall financial philosophy, if you want to say it that way.
0: And there's plenty of people, both religious and and not religious, who swear that um, once they started giving money away, they they made more. And I don't know if, you know, there could be a bunch of explanations. Most are probably not really rational or scientific the way we understand rationality or science to be. But um, I've just heard that so many times, and I've experienced it at time, you know, certain times in my life, too. So I, I don't think it should be overlooked at all. I think it's a, I think it's good, and I'm glad it's one of your steps. Um, all right, mm-hmm. so let's talk about step three, which
1: is saving. Uh, and you put 10%, right? But to talk about and, and this is not, so the 10% here is not flexible. <laughs> um, you know, if, if you save a dollar a day for 40 years at 15% interest, that's a million dollars. And th- it's not that anybody can get 15% interest for 40 years, it's more the power of long term savings and compound interest. Um, you know, if you start saving 10% of what you make from the day you graduate college and get your first job until age. 65 or really 60 I, I and you don't touch that money, you just let it grow and you invest it, You know, which we talk about how to invest in the book, but there's lots of books out there on how to invest, but when you're young, you're more aggressive and as you get old you get a little bit less aggressive, but if you invest it aggressively when you're young you, you will have more than enough money to retire off of when you're 62 or 65 years old, but that will not be a problem. It's the discipline of saving the 10%. So if you can take the, the phrase we use in our practice is if you can take 10% of your money and send it to the future you, send it out into the future, so that when you get there, it's it's there waiting for you, and it's grown um, tenfold over what you started with, um, that, that's pretty powerful. So you have to save. I know with my own children, you know, the, the, in lieu of when they lived at home, I said as long as you put 10% in your 401K, there's no rent. You don't put 10% in your 401K, you're paying it to me, and I'm not giving it back to you. Uh, so it was 100% tax if they didn't put it into the 401k. Um, but it's amazing how quickly it starts to accumulate. And then, you know, compound interest, when the money that your money is making is making more money than you need, you won. And that's really what's going on there as you, as you let that money continue to grow. And now the interest on the money is growing. Um, you won't be able to you, – you'll be shocked at how, how quickly it accumulates to something real. So the temp, saving 10% is not – you have to start saving 10%. If you wait until you're 35 to start saving for retirement, you got to start at like 15%. All And so, all right, so let me know, ask you might a might question. Well so really when, you, when you say percentage, you mean
0: pre-tax or post-tax?
1: Um, well, because you can save it all pre-tax, if you are making $35,000 a year when you graduate high school or college um, – Thirty-five hundred dollars goes into your four hundred and one k, and on top of that, many times the company is matching the first five percent. So if you're putting in thirty-five hundred, they might be putting in a thousand. That's an immediate, you know, thirty percent return on your money. Um, so uh, there's, you never let never leave that on the table if your company's giving you that money, giving you that match.
0: Okay, so pre-tax. Okay, and what about? Uh, I know this is probably a little bit more in the book, but what about Um, I mean, it sounds like you're talking primarily about um, stocks and bonds and mutual funds and all that. What about other investments like real
1: estate? Um, I talk about all of it. Uh, You know, real estate, you typically need a little bit more money to to start to jump in. Um, So you have to accumulate some wealth before you can start to buy properties, that type of thing. Um, I don't have a bias towards one investment solution or another. I think there, you know, the, the one rule I have is whatever you do, understand what, you know, if you don't understand it, don't do it. So make sure you fully understand the risks associated with what you're doing. Um, uh, with real estate, you make all your money when you buy. If you buy right, you, you almost can't lose money. If you buy wrong, you almost can't win, make money. So yes. it's all about getting the deal on the front end. So, yeah, I don't have a bias against any specific investment solution. You know, if it's in your 401k, you're limited to mutual funds which are basically stocks and bonds and might be commodities and other things that are so that are all in that mutual fund package that you have available to you. So
0: just just so I can um, <clears throat> kind of rephrase it and say it in my own words the way I understand it, it sounds like what you're saying is you advocate everyone putting 100% into Bitcoin?
1: <laughs> no. I can say oh. unequivocally no. No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, um, and that goes to the if you don't understand, don't do it. It's, you know, if, like if somebody could explain Bitcoin to me in a simple fashion where I could really understand it um you know i would say I would say you know jump in, but if you were lucky enough to get into at the beginning you' you've made a fortune um, okay. i didn't I didn't understand it at the
0: beginning so. My, I'm no investment expert, but I always feel like when you hear like your Uber driver talking about it, and you know <laughs> all, all, all these people that are not investment professionals talking about it, that's usually not a good sign. It's time to run. Yeah. Right, right. But, but you see, hear that wrong. about mortgages? You see that? I mean, there's you know, uh, in our lifetimes, there's been a few of those types of bubbles and uh, you could probably go back to the dutch tulip you know <laughs> tulip. right well there's
1: a there's a saying in the investment world that says the market will stay irrational longer than most people can stay patient <laughs> so it's it's the markets in irrational rational measurement um, over a very long period of time it's very rational and pricing is very on target but over a short periods of time it's not about logic it's about emotion I think everything is about emotion, it
0: seems like, Um, and I think that these rules uh, are really in a a way, your rules are in a way designed to help you guard against emotional stuff, uh, you know, short obstacles and stay on a, have a real plan, which I I think is, and the the, the fact that it's only four components means that like everyone can understand it and the genius is in the simplicity.
1: Yeah, and we talk about don't don't chase bright shiny objects. You know. Like if you do this it it's about it's about doing consistent things over a very long period of time. You win the financial game of life. You can certainly get lucky with some other things or get opportunities that um that might present themselves that you take advantage of that turn out to be windfalls. That's awesome when that happens. It's just you can't you can't depend on it. Yeah, I think uh, there's also a saying, right? Don't
0: don't you know, invest something that you're not af- not afraid that you can lose. And I think uh, right. and when I when I read about you know the the Bitcoin phrase, which is currently happening as we record this, uh, you know, there's articles about people who max out credit cards, to, you know, computer programmer guys in New York City who re- racked up thirty five thousand dollars worth of debt to buy Bitcoin at you know nineteen thousand dollars, and then it dropped to thirteen thousand. So it's like nuts to me when I hear about stuff like that. It's outside my risk tolerance yeah so um, okay so step four is insure so talk, talk about uh, how important that is I think that gets overlooked by a lot of people
1: yeah insurance is very simple it's just insurances thank God it's available because if it weren't we wouldn't be able to do things that we could do because we know we have insurance so insurance is just you're offloading a risk that you can't carry on your own shoulders um, when we talk about, you know, you got to have car insurance if you have a car, you have to have homeowner's insurance if you have a home and you have a mortgage. Um, you have health insurance, which is required or not required, depending on what's going on with the current law. But either, either way, or having health insurance is an intelligent decision. Um, a critical insurance that we talk about is disability insurance, one of the first things that a, a graduating student should look at is just um, something to guarantee that their income continues even if they become sick or injured and unable to work. Hmm. You know, how many of them want to move back in with their parents once they've earned the right to move on their own? So why not lock in guarantee your income even if something unexpected occurs? Um, Life insurance is something that, you know, as you get people that depend on you and that you care about, life insurance is there to replace what you're providing them if God forbid the worst happens. So what we say with insurance is just look at it, you know, and we provide kind of a, a view of a pyramid that, that shows um, the different types of insurance that you should at least consider. And it's really just transferring risk to a third party that you can't carry on your own shoulders. Um, I would take an intentional view of it. There are reasons why you buy life insurance when you're young, but um, uh, it, it, it's just it's a critical part of your overall financial well-being. Without insurance, if something happens um it doesn't take long for you to deplete savings if your ability to work is is hurt for a year you know you, you have a real severe injury and it takes a year to recover and you can't work and you don't have disability insurance, you might take ten years of savings and blow it in that one year of recovery, yeah
0: especially uh, I always hear about you know older um you know, seniors who don't have long term care. And they uh, have a you know stroke or some other something else that's debilitative debilitating, and they exactly that happens they uh, all the acid they, they work their butts off to accumulate their whole lives just go in like a year
1: right right
0: exactly. so you're saying um, even when you're young which I actually that makes a lot of sense to me I never even thought of this uh, right out of college it makes sense and it's, I, I imagine it's relatively inexpensive
1: it's very inexpensive and as your income goes up you can increase the coverage but um i always ask you know graduate someone who's graduated two or three years ago like you graduate you're finally living on your own something ha- you break your leg you know really bad and you're six months out of work because you can't commute and you can't move and you can't really get around the city for example do you have something that guarantees your income how long could you stay in that apartment in the city if your income stops most of them it's 30 days <laughs> Like, okay, so the only alternative is moving back in with your parents, you know, if you could guarantee that your income would continue and that you might choose to move back in your parents, but it wasn't it wasn't required, you know would you want that option and so for a minimal amount of money to to have that option, it's just I just think it's a wise thing to, a wise decision to make
0: yeah, that's great. uh that's an eye opener for me, okay, good, all right, so those are the four steps. I now have what I want to. Um, refer to as three lightning round questions that I want to blindside you with. Are you up for that? Go for it. All right. You're sitting down. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, to put you on the spot with lightning round, lightning round question number one: What is what do you think is the biggest mistake that people make in this financial game of life? Um, and that could be let's narrow it down. Let's talk about um, people around our age, you know, in, the, in their 40s and 50s
1: bad debt, just, you know, I see the biggest the biggest mistake people make is living a lifestyle that is above what they really um, can afford to live. And so, you, you know, you live at the edge from a financial standpoint. You don't have savings. You can't, can't weather through emergencies. And as I said before, unfortunately, we live in a broken world and bad things happen to good people. So, it's not, you know, when those things happen... Either you can handle them or you can't, and um, you know they do happen. So I, I just see people living right up to the edge of their income, as opposed to um, living below their means. And the debt drags on that, of course. And the debt, the debt drags on it and just steals money from the future. Yeah, you know, you're paying the bank rather than paying yourself yeah well you know i so my office is now in
0: uh, you've been there a couple times in uh, in Glenwood landing right right near Glenhead and every other building in Glenhead is like a long island or you know national bank of long island or or, or another bank building there's a there's a reason why the banks in, uh, in in the in every in every city the you know the biggest buildings are owned by the banks
1: I yeah because of all the yeah, interest are paid yeah yep yeah. yep yeah. um
0: okay question lightning round question number two uh and we've talked about this but I think this is really, really um great. So your kids are now I guess your youngest one is now in college, but when they were younger and they needed money, what did they and they came to you for money, what what's your what do you tell them? What did you
1: tell them? Um I I never really did allowance. You know, we we had we had um you know, I had jobs that needed to be done. Um uh, I used the leaves as an example. I could pay the pay the, the long guy to do the leaves or I pay the kids to do the leaves. So, so much per bag. Uh, my one son, middle son, he wound up getting a job pretty quickly when he was 16 locally. And, um, it was just, I, I didn't, I didn't solve that problem every time they just needed money. Um, they were part of solving the problem and it, that's the way it's going to be when they're out on their own in the world as well. So, so would you have like little negotiations
0: each time for the bags or, or the, whatever jobs need to be done?
1: No, no, we just set a price. Yeah, and we'd say, "Yep, I did it," and okay. Yeah, you know, gladly, I was going to spend it one way or the other.
0: Yeah, you. Uh, one one of my favorite criticisms that you uh, told me, I'm I'm not sure I'm going to get it right, but um, uh, you said that when you were growing up and you saw, you know, and was snowing, you saw that as an income oh.
1: opportunity. Well, we we when we were kids, my you know going to my going to my parents or going to my dad for money, we get three things back what do you think money grows on trees? Do you think i made of money? Do you think I have a money machine down in the basement? Yeah. So I knew the script. <laughs> so by the time my, 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 I was 12 and my brother was 10, a snowstorm was a money-making opportunity. We'd grab the shovels and we'd go out and, and compete with all the other kids in the neighborhood, shovel whatever driveways we could shovel. And then, you know, by about noon, one o'clock, all the driveways were done. Um, and, but it was a, it was a huge money-making opportunity and we'd have, You know, we'd see a neighbor's lawn was getting long. We'd go knock on the door and say, do you want me to mow your lawn and make money or deliver? It was just, it wasn't hard to make money. It was just, we just looked for opportunities to make money. And as I tell people, we were kind of embedded. We became um, entrepreneurs as a result of that. Nice.
0: That's so cool. All right. Final question before we wrap up here. What's your advice to uh, people with you know, kids? am uh, sorry, with, with, uh, parents with college-bound kids who um, started late in the process. They didn't start saving right out of, you know, right out of college, and uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that you talked about today geared more toward um, younger kids. It uh, you know, doesn't really apply. So, what, what can they do?
1: Uh, it, it, everybody can take a step back. If they can't, you know, when I when I've sat down with people that couldn't spend less, weren't spending less than they were making. Everything starts with a plan. So you just first you start with a snapshot, your income statement. You take lists all of your income on one side, on the left side, all of your expenses on the right side. What does it say at the bottom? If it's if your income, if income is greater than expense, okay, that that's the right answer. Now you look at the the asset sheet, which is your assets and liabilities, your balance sheet. And so you just you just work on it as you move forward what can I do to reduce expenses what what can I do to increase income you Now, um, if you have a financial problem there's only four four moves you can make you can increase income if possible you can decrease expenses if possible you can sell assets which is never desirable or you can take on new liabilities which is never desirable so like you you only have four moves you can make which one can you which one would you rather make I'd rather increase income or decrease expense if possible I'd always rather solve the problem on the income statement rather than the balance sheets
0: and I will say um,
1: from personal experience even though this is
0: incredibly painful frequently (laughs) <laughs> um it's it's worth doing because it's even worse living in the dark and just kind of kicking the can down the road so congress might be able to do s- stuff like that but we yeah, as individuals right. can't <laughs> <right>? <laughs> congress can promise benefits that we can't afford but but uh, each of us should not be in that same business
1: exactly well they have a bank that will li- issue them unlimited credit we don't
0: Right, right. It's more, more debasing of the, uh, of the, of the coins that has been going on since like the Roman Empire, when, when soldiers came home, that uh, yeah, I'll see that stopping anytime soon. The soldiers came home, they no. wanted benefits, and no one wanted to pay for them.
1: Unfortunately, it's human
0: nature. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, understanding it is the first, uh, first step. So th- this was great. Yep. Uh, this could have easily been like a, a four-hour, you know, thing. How do, how do people contact you? I guess, yeah, I guess phone number is, is probably the best way if they yeah, want some more information. Is,
1: um, a phone number is uh, 516-682-3379. And um, do you want an email address too? Oh. It's up to you. Yeah. Phone yeah. The email address is uh, really simple, C-J-O-B-N-Y, just for Chris Jones, or in New York, at Mac, dot com.
0: So so Chris, his client base is generally, you know, high net worth individuals. He also does a lot of um, co- uh, corporate benefit type stuff, particularly with uh, board members and all that. Um, but if you have any financial planning questions, he's got someone on his team that uh, that can probably help, especially if you're trying to win this financial game of life. So uh, 516-682-3379. And... Okay. CJOBNY as in Chris Jones Oyster Bay, New York, at mac dot com, and keep an eye out for, on Amazon for the forthcoming book. For uh, was it four steps to winning the financial game of life? Or the what, tell me, I forgot. Four already, steps in, to financial apparently. security. Yep. Four steps <laughs> to financial security. Good. Okay. Which <laughs> I won't. I want to ask you when that's going to be done, but I know uh, you're in the final stages. It's in graphics stage right now. Good. Okay. Done. Yeah, Good. It's been edited. That's cool. Okay, good. So I'm excited for that too. So uh alright, great. Thanks again, Chris. Uh this was uh this is great. I think it's invaluable advice. Thanks for spending your vacation time uh with us. Stay warm. Thank you. Thank okay. you. And we'll so, see you in the new year. Yeah, happy new year for everyone. Uh unless this is you'll see this after the new year. But for more information, everything is on our, our podcast, the College Planning Edge. And uh, Chris is is um, by the time you you uh, hear this, I will have a copy of the budget sheet posted there on the on the site. You can go to CollegePlanningEdge.com and in uh, Chris's information as well if you want to get in touch with him. So have a great uh, New Year, everyone, and win the financial game of life starting in 2018 if you haven't started already. All right, bye, Chris. Thanks. Thanks. So much, Andy. Take care. Okay. Hi, this is Andy Lockwood, don't forget to visit our website LockwoodCollegePrep.com for some more free valuable information on how you can multiply your chances of admission to your dream colleges and qualify for thousands or tens of thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships along the way. Visit LockwoodCollegePrep.com for information on our free upcoming workshops and webinars and to download a copy of our number one best-selling book, How to Pay Wholesale for College. That's LockwoodCollegePrep.com. Bye-bye.